I would encourage you to have your uh, Bibles open and the bulletin open to the inside with the outline of the message today, the eight points we're going to make that kind of do track in a little bit of a sequence with uh, the thoughts that are there. We are discussing baptism. We want to know what the Bible says about baptism. We don't want to know, uh, well, and actually a lot of this, we're making some points, and I, I make a, when it comes to baptism, I feel like I'm making some very um, obvious points that sound almost silly to make, like baptism is being immersed under water. It's something someone does to you, um, and it's not something you do. It seems a very logical and simple statement, but in fact, that simple understanding helps combat a lot of false doctrine, false teaching that's out there. And there are a lot of things that people can agree on as Christians, as people who turn to Scripture and want to know, uh, base their worldview upon Scripture. Uh, and most Christians believe and agree that unsaved persons can't save themselves. And that's why we need a Savior, that we need God to save us. But they don't agree on when God does that saving. But I think Scripture talks very much about that point. When does God save us? When does God do his good work of salvation for a person? So if there is somebody who is unsaved and they want to be saved, there's kind of this moment where they realize Jesus is the one that they need to save him to save us, this person, this man or woman. And so we call upon the name of Christ, the one to be that we need as a Savior. And that calling upon the name of the Lord is connected with baptism. And you'd see that in Scripture as you go through and read it. There's one place where I think uh, that some of this connection is made very much, and we're going to look in Colossians chapter 2. So start in Colossians chapter 2. And there is a moment as you look at this passage where there was a person who was dead, but then they were raised up to life. So I think that's a pretty good indication of salvation. Someone who is dead, but then is given life in Christ. And that is going to be connected here with burial in baptism. So let us read, and we're going to start with this, because last week I, I focused on a lot about the physical nature of baptism. It's immersion, dunked underwater, somebody else is doing it. it it's, uh, it's, it's very much, if there were anything in Scripture that I think is pointed to kind of as a ritual, it's something that's to be done and everybody's to do, um, it, it would be, one of those would be baptism, another one would be um, uh, the communion feast here. Something we do regularly where it's very explicit instructions how to do it. And so we need to follow this, this command. And so as we look here, uh, we're going to see that this is something we need to obey. So if you find yourself in a state of feeling like you're dead in your sins, here is instructions on what you must do so that God can do his good work in you. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 
and 12. And we're going to broaden this in a moment. But right now, let's focus on 11 and 12, realizing though it's the beginning, we begin in the middle of a sentence. We'll get the full picture in a second. And in him, speaking of Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So here is this this picture. First of all, baptism, it's talking about being buried with Christ in baptism. This thing that we might look at as, as a ritual. You know, we can, we can see it's something that's commanded for everybody uh, who, if they want to be saved. So if you are, find yourself, you need, you need a new life, you want to be raised up with Christ, then there is a moment when God can do something great in you. God can do this wonderful work. So if you come to believe in Jesus Christ, then you submit to baptism. At baptism, God, number one, works to raise you from the dead, just as he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That information is in this verse. We know that God raised up Christ Jesus from the dead. We know that. That is the central thought. That's the gospel of Jesus. God raised up the Son from the dead, and he can do the same for you. This is the work of God. Have faith in that. The mention of faith in verse number 12 is important. Through faith, you got to, a person, if they're going to be immersed, has to have faith in the working of God. Otherwise, what's the point? If you don't know this, if you don't believe this, belief and faith, if you come to believe in Jesus, you have faith in Jesus and know he can save you, then you say, all right, I'm all up for baptism. I submit. And someone else will take you and dunk you underwater and raise you up. That's kind of an outside picture. I like that idea. It's an image of what's going on, what God is doing literally at the same moment. God, during baptism, God works to raise you from the dead. Notice in verse number 12 again, having been buried with him in baptism. Baptism, it's not just a figure of something that God did earlier. Baptism is when you are buried with Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which, so pointing again to this exact same moment, when somebody submits, let somebody dunk them under, and they've confessed the name of Christ, calling upon Christ, I need a Savior, I'm dead in my sins, Who's going to help me? Jesus is the only one. Somebody dunks you under the water in the name of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up. And it's all pointing to the exact moment of when somebody is dunked and raised. The water is nothing, but what matters is the person who has faith in what God can do in them at that moment. Nothing magical about the water, right? 
Nothing spiritual about the water. What is important is that person's faith and the work of God that is happening in that moment. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Um, well, we're going to add verses to this. So number, number two. So that's point number one. God is at work. This verse is very clear that God is at work in baptism. If you really have faith that this can happen, if you have faith that God can raise you from the dead, you're dead in your sins, you need someone to raise you, God can do that. It's God's work. Don't let anybody ever tell you, well, that's, you're trusting a work. Um, well, I, I, as I think about it now, I would say amen to that. I'm trusting God's work. It has nothing to do with my work. I have faith that God can do a good work, and I trust that he can do it that moment that I'm immersed into Christ Jesus. So number, number if, if you come to believe in Jesus, at baptism, God works to raise you from the dead, just as he raised Christ from the dead. Number two, if you come to believe in Jesus Christ, at baptism, God places you in Christ and with Christ. In Christ, with Christ. Look at the language all through Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. So I'm going to expand before and even after this passage and just pay attention to the words with Christ and in Christ. And it's all connected to this moment when we are immersed in him. Verse number nine, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried. All these things are connected with this, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he... Listen to this in particular. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions. With him, in him. Uh, you turn to the book of Ephesians, and in Christ is every spiritual blessing. In him. So I want to know when I can get in him. In him, it seems like that's pretty important to be in him and with Christ and it is connected with baptism when you come to believe in Jesus Christ then at baptism God places you in Christ and with Christ so I'm going to add a verse that makes it even more explicit and that is Galatians um, Galatians chapter two chapter 3 verses 26 and 27 so uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So hold your, hold your hand in Colossians, and we'll mention that one more time. But go back uh, to the previous couple of books here. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27, and it says, For all of you who were baptized 
into Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, 26. I started with 27. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Notice the language. Baptized into Christ. So there is a moment that you get into Christ, and it is at the moment that you are baptized. So I don't place myself in Christ, but when I submit to baptism, God does this wonderful work. And he places me in Christ. And I am now with Christ. So, if you believe in Christ Jesus, then, and you know you need a Savior, you need help, you believe Jesus is the one who can save you, then at baptism... God works to raise you from the dead, just as he raised Christ from the dead. And God places you in Christ and with Christ. Now, number three, God forgives you of all your transgressions. Now, Scripture actually says that you are forgiven at baptism. When you are immersed, that God forgives you. God does this wonderful work to cleanse you. If Scripture says that, then I would say baptism is pretty important, wouldn't I? When you think so, do you, you think anybody could possibly say that, yeah, baptism, that's when you're forgiven of your sins, but you were saved before that. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, when you were dead in your transgressions, notice, dead in transgressions. You can't be alive with transgressions. When you were dead, dead in the transgressions and uncircumcision of your f- flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. How we are able to come to Christ and be in Christ is it happens because we are washed and cleansed of our sins. Our transgressions are gone. No more guilt. God has given our guilt to Jesus and he suffered and was beaten and abused and punished because of our transgressions. He took the punishment I deserved. And in God's scheme of things, he gave me, instead of the punishment I deserve, he gave me Jesus' righteousness. That's what God did for us through Christ Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. So now everybody, and I, I would contend that, that this, is, this is true for the sins of the whole world, that they have this opportunity to be cleansed and washed. For Jesus, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. So it's for everybody. This offer is for everybody. Will you believe that this offer is real? Will you trust in God? Do you believe that he can really work in you? And if so, then have faith and get immersed into Jesus. He will then, in that moment, forgive you of all your sins. Acts chapter 2, verse number, uh, verse number 38. Um, I don't even know why I'm turning back here. This is one we know, isn't it? Uh, 
Notice the people in verse number 37. We've already pointed out this idea, if you come to believe in Christ Jesus. And we know these people came to believe. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Very good question. What shall we do? Peter's response was, well, you already have faith in him or else you wouldn't have asked me what to do. So I know you believe in him and trust him. So you are saved. There's nothing you can do. That's not the answer. You can't, he doesn't say you can't save yourself so you can't do anything. Just pray for him to, to save you. That's not the answer. He gives a clear, concise answer. What shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first gospel sermon. Jesus is preached. They say, what shall we do? And the answer is clear. If you've come to believe in Jesus, and I bet there were many, many that day who did not come to believe in Jesus, and they refused to ask the question, what shall we do? And they did not repent of their, the way they thought and who they thought of Jesus, how they thought of Jesus. They did not get baptized into Christ. But the ones who believed, they obeyed the call to repent and be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. In baptism... That is the moment when God will forgive you of your sins. Connected with the language, what we've already said. Number four, here's some more of the work of God, what he does for us in baptism. He gives you a new life. It was already pointed to in Colossians chapter 2. The new life. You've been made to, to, alive together with him. That was Colossians 2.13, alive together with him. Now look at Romans uh, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse number, uh, uh, that, all the way through verse number 14 is so very important. But just look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1, or excuse me, two, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, again, the same language, baptized into Christ Jesus, there's a moment when you can look back to and say, when did I get into Christ Jesus? When did I get into my saved position? All of you who were, have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, what the picture, what the image is that we see when somebody is dunked underwater and raised up, is what, in fact, God is doing for them spiritually. The work of God in that person's life that we are might be witness to or for ourselves when we are immersed and raised up, we can look back to that moment and know that the image that was being seen, the, the, uh, 
the portrayal of death and resurrection was what was actually happening at that very moment. Baptized into his death, raised up for a new life. To walk in newness of life. God gives us a new life. A new life that is free from sin, it says down in verse number 7. Now we're ready to walk in a way that's pleasing to God, where we're united with Christ, whereas before we were separate from Him. So here's the work of God at baptism. For somebody who comes to have faith in Him, wants to believe in Him, be saved by Him, at baptism then God works to raise you from the dead, just as He raised Christ from the dead. He places you in Christ and with Christ. He forgives you of all your transgressions, gives you a new life. All those just work hand in hand together. And number five, God causes you to be born again. More of the same thought with a little bit different language, isn't it? And here are the words of Jesus as we flip back to John uh, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. We're going to get into this thought of what Jesus was doing and what he was involved with, leading us up to this idea of what proper baptism is. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, and who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you have the right. Not always, that always strikes me when I read this. If you receive him, if you're listening, if you are willing to grab hold of him, then you're, you've got that right to get a new life, to be born again and become his child. And it makes me uh, very afraid for those folks who kind of receive Christ, but then they don't do what Christ says to gain Christ, to be in Christ. They refuse baptism or, or deny what God does in baptism. It's a scary thing. But if you believe, if you receive Jesus, you hear this word, you've got the right to become a child of God. Born of God. Born again. So chapter 3. Now in John chapter 3, verses... Uh, 3 and through, through 5, Jesus talking to Nicodemus jumps right to the main point about being born again. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, a, be born can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here is being born again or being born from above. You know, a heavenly birth. You got, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. Now notice in chapter 3, verse 21, um, let me double check, where am I? 3, verse 22. Right after this conversation, it goes right to this. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. 
So born again, born of water and of the Spirit, you know, there's this physical part of water, but there is the important part of what God does, the Spirit does, to give rebirth. And immediately after that conversation, it points out the fact that Jesus was baptizing people. And then later it clarifies, and I think chapter 4, beginning there, um, it points out, well, it was really not even Jesus who was baptizing. He was having his disciples do it. But this is the command, is to be baptized, to be born again. So this is the work of God. It gives you a new life. It causes you to be born again. All these things are connected with being immersed in water. A simple ritualistic kind of thing, dunked under, raised up. But with faith, Done in the name of Jesus, God does this wonderful work in the heart and soul and mind of a person. Number six, this puts you into the kingdom of God, the church. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. If you believe, if you receive the word... You will be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we saw in verse 38. Finishing verse 41, it says, In that day there were added about 3,000 souls. These folks were added to the number of the saved, to the church. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The number is of the saved. Being added comes from receiving the word and being baptized into Christ. The saved are those who are in Christ. You are baptized into Christ. You are added to the saved who are in Christ. Baptism. And I get to this point in my sermon and I'm like, I can't believe I'm preaching this. This is so simple. Um, This should unite all peoples, all anybody who claims... To be in Christ, this should be beyond, uh, you know, just the fact that there's denominations, I think, drives me a little crazy. I don't get that. I don't get why people don't just get baptized into Jesus, because that's what Scripture over and over and over again states. When you are immersed, God does a wonderful work in you. You'll never look back to that moment when you're baptized and say, look what I did. Now, God, you got to let me in. But we can look and say, boy, praise be to God for what he did. That moment when I was immersed, may I always live according to that confession I made and that need for him. God put me in the kingdom that day. God washed away my sins. Point number seven, this is what God does. He washes away your sins. In Acts chapter 22, verse number 16, Ananias told told Saul, now what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins. Calling upon his name. Now I'm, oh, let me get there. Acts 22, verse number 16. Now why do you delay? What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon his name. Calling upon his name is connected with baptism. That's when I need a, you're there, in the, you come to the water, I need a new life. God, give me a new life. Wash away my sins. I want to be in Christ Jesus. I want to be numbered with the saved. I want to be in your kingdom. 
That's when your sins are washed. That's when you are saved. God does a wonderful work in baptism. God does this great thing. He washes away your sins. Revelation 1.5 points to the, to the blood of the Lamb. He, that's, that's, he's the one who can save us. You can't save yourself. You get connected with Jesus. He's the one who can cleanse you. It's by His blood that we're saved. And God does that work for us. He saves us. Everybody knows that only, you can only be saved through Jesus. But the question comes when? And Scripture is so clear. God does His work to save you. When you're immersed into him. He saves you. Mark 16, 16. Go into all the world. Baptizing them. He who believes and is baptized. Verse number 16. He who has believed and has been baptized. Will be saved. But he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. I haven't decided yet, but I think I'm going to talk about that verse in the, the weird way it's treated by some to say it kind of proves that you don't have to be baptized when it says, believe and be baptized. So I encourage people to read what it says and believe what it says and do what it says. Believe and be baptized. Jesus is the only way for you be, to be saved. He died on the cross to save you. From all the dumb things you have done and ever will do. Believe in him. And be baptized into Christ Jesus. When you're immersed into him, God does all of these wonderful things. So many more. Every blessing we have is in Christ. And when you get into Christ through baptism, you receive every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Believe in Jesus. I don't ask you to believe um, in, what I want to say, I don't want you to believe in baptism. Like you can just take anybody and baptize them and, hey, you're saved. We don't believe in that. We believe in Jesus and we want to be in Jesus. Jesus is our everything and our all. We remember him every single Sunday around this table. We trust him. And if you trust him, then get into him. There's only one way to do that. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be in Christ, and that is by being immersed into Him. And there's a passage in Acts chapter 19 where some people were baptized in the name of John, and they needed the baptism that was right, the one baptism, the true baptism that places somebody into Christ. And they, even though they had been immersed before realize that that immersion wasn't the right immersion and i would ask you to consider that if you were not baptized with the understanding of what god does in baptism these things that are listed here with these eight points if you were not baptized with that understanding then you must consider the need to be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of a new life marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Trust what the book says. If you believe Jesus, you'll do what he says. If you need to be immersed into Christ today, I encourage you to do it. We will take care of your need today. You're welcome to come make that need known as we stand together and sing.